Como estas listeners, this is the Inciting Moment Podcast, episode two. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we have ourselves a new member to the crew. Uh, his name is Sam. How's it going, Sammy boy? Shalom, my fil- fellow film brethren. My name is Sam, as I was already introduced at. Um, I like to watch movies. And I have a lot of baseless opinions about him, so that's why I'm on this this uh, podcast. You will fit right in. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, naturally, since this is your first appearance on this podcast, uh, Sam, uh, can you do me a favor? And uh, much like the other guys in the previous episode, uh, at minimum, uh, talk about uh, two, in no particular order, two of your favorite movies and how they play in to what you look for in movies. Okay. In terms of my two favorite movies, it's kind of tough, honestly, because we've all seen a good amount of movies. But if I had mm-hmm. to pick two off right off the bat, I'd probably have to say Sunshine from, I can't remember the exact year, to be honest. Uh, and um, probably Independence Day. Um, okay. What, what I think these movies encapsulate is this creativity that movies can really portray that i just love so much stuff that would never happen in, of course the real world at least i hope not i don't think we could fight off those aliens in the real in real life not with that attitude we can't fair enough (laughs) i mean apparently before the world's taught us anything all we need is use biological warfare and we've been doing that against each other since time began (laughs) but uh but of course no this is it's it's just the creativity and the stuff you can see in movies that you can't really just get anywhere else. I love the visual, the visual, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, visual representation. Thank you. Visual representation. Uh-huh. I, just, I, just, I love it. I love that about it. You know, no, I got you. And I, I think those two movies really encapsulate it, you know? Nah, that's cool. That's cool. My guy. Uh, <laughs> out of curiosity, did you ever get around to seeing, uh, the um the follow-up to uh independence day <laughs> there were the, the, what are you talking about there never was one very true and honestly and very good answer it's I and mean, people keep telling me about like these weird terminator sequels like genesis and whatnot but it's like i'm pretty sure it ended it too there's nothing yeah, after that's what i heard right like that's that's all i know i about. think they're all just bollywood rip-off movies last i heard uh, there was that's nothing insulting bollywood <laughs> So you were saying yeah, something, Scott? Those, oh, last I heard, there was only two Terminator movies. Yeah, yeah. It was a Judgment Day. Shame nice. they never made a sequel. Oh yeah, you know it. It it would be nice, but at the same time, you gotta know when to quit, I guess. Oh yeah, thank God Hollywood knows when to quit, huh? Oh yeah, they they know exactly <laughs> when to quit. It's almost like we have uh, now nine nine Star Wars movies. I mean, who? Who would ever want to do that? What do you That'd mean? be very the original trilogy. Precisely. <laughs> it it anyway, never deviated past that. I believe the topic for today is a broad mixture of Daft Punk and Ip Man, if I am correct. Yeah. Yeah. Broad All mixture. Right. Well, I am ready. Broad, broad, You're ready broad to begin mixture. these topics. I am willing to share my baseless opinions with you. Excellent. Ah, but That's course. all we can expect from you. Perfect. Indeed. Now, saying the bar course. low so I can impress. Mm-hmm. 
Very much so. Uh, so, uh, before we get to those really juicy topics, uh, because we got, we got a bit to say about them, uh, we are going to finish off, uh, what we started in the first one. God, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a freaking Kylo Ren right here. I will finish what we started. <laughs> and, uh, Please we are don't. going to look at part two of our, uh, 2020 year in review for entertainment media now we mainly talked a lot about the more movie centric stuff in the first episode and uh much like we uh already established in the first episode we will sometimes venture into the realm of video games and in this case that is what we will be uh going over uh with part two of 2020 a year in review uh starting off with that COVID edition. Uh, let's yeah. talk about the... <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so, starting off with all this, uh, we're going to talk about our, our, our favorite company in the whole wide world, which, oddly enough, isn't EA this time around. No, 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 no. Activision. EA is looking like... Oh, even Activision. Oh, they, they put Activision to shame. Activision and EA look like Wish they saints. could be Disney. Yes. Uh, and uh, in a way, uh, in terms of the video game world, uh, this particular company can be seen almost as the uh, Disney of uh, that industry. We are, of course, talking about good old Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo... Uh, within the last decade, they've kind of had, uh, their heads up their asses on a couple of, uh, decisions and stuff like that. And, uh, sadly, much like in the case of EA, Activision, and even Disney for that matter, uh, even when there is a lot of outcry against it, they never necessarily, uh, I guess, uh, do anything about it for it or do anything about it. <laughs> that uh that's that's another thing they they don't really do anything about it uh and when they do it's very mixed in terms of if it uh pays off or not and uh, in this case uh nintendo uh they had a particular release of a particular game that game being a uh re-release of uh three of their um flagship games in reference to pretty much the poster boy of their company uh mario uh mario bing, bing, Yahoo. Exactly. exactly i see you're familiar <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh in this 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 game it acts as a compilation of three of mario's uh biggest uh ventures in the 3d realm that being mario 64 uh which as you can guess was released on the N64, uh, Mario Sunshine, which came out on the GameCube back in uh, 2002, and uh, Mario Galaxy, which, if I'm not mistaken, was 2007-2008 on the Nintendo Wii. Uh, all of them were, of course, put in HD resolutions, but uh, they are mixed well, to in middling terms of how they success, actually turned yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, the, the effort they put in uh kind of pales in comparison to what uh fans have been able to do with the usage of uh emulation programs 
uh, some of which I uh, admittedly have used myself before. And uh, I'll probably continue using. Uh, now, the, the, the issue doesn't just come from the fact that the quality of this compilation wasn't all that great. Uh, it also comes into the uh, tactics, the decisions they made that uh, are incredibly questionable, but above all else, incredibly dickish. Uh, Nintendo, when they announced uh, the compilation... Uh, which is uh, called Mario 3D All-Stars, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the second or third of the All-Stars compilation series. They've, they've made other ones for the older games. Man, I remember the original for the uh, Super Nintendo system. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was one of like, the brothers. That was like one of the first, quote-unquote, HD remakes of a game. It was like, from NES to SNES, they just made the same game, split up the graphics. Mm. Oh, yeah. Added a little extra sprite work, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You, yeah, like, and I mean, that pixels. was... Oh, yeah, and that was solid because, like, it wasn't the same as just playing the original games that it repackaged. It actually looked better. There was an extra pixel were... or two. Yeah. Now, that <laughs> exactly. being said, the problem with that is you can still find Mario uh, All-Stars these days in, in some channels or another but i think the point you were going to make by the time this episode goes up they're very might not be able to purchase 3d all-stars now why is that Ian? yeah well that's because when the game was announced uh, nintendo said uh for a limited time only and naturally people were like well what do you mean limited time only is this like a like a special release that you're only putting limited copies out and as far as I'm aware of, they, they put out a decent number of copies. The problem is that uh, they are not going to sell it past uh, March 23rd because they are going to take them off shelves. Now, that wouldn't be a problem because many people are like, ah, well, you know what? I've gotten used to digitally purchasing my games. I'll just buy it on the eShop. Well, that therein lies another problem. They're pulling that, too. Yes. Nintendo, in an effort to essentially uh, induce panic into their customers, they are saying, hey, you better get this while it's hot because it's going to disappear just like that if you don't get it by this date. And uh, I'm not going to lie. That's scummy. That's pretty That ballsy. is scummy. I almost respect <laughs> it's, it's, how it's, dickish that is. <laughs> So, I know. It's a tactic they have pulled before. Uh, it's just this is a major game instead of like a peripheral. Like Amiibos, if you're familiar with them, used to be like super scarce. In fact, some were even uh, exclusive to certain stores. So like if you wanted the specific character, you had to get that one. And they only had like five of them or something. I remember the death fights. Yeah. Yes. And it goes further, too. Uh, Mario 3D All-Stars, you can at least say they it's a game they put effort into, right? Like, in some degree, they, they've they changed it, they've ported it to modern consoles. They mm -hmm. had also announced, shortly after, um, a release for the first time in the States of the very first Fire Emblem. 
a game that has not until this point gotten an official localization. And that would be available not even physically, just digitally. They are also pulling that the same day. Really? Yes. Because they know people fucking want it. They they know that people will buy that stuff and as a means of uh, essentially manipulating uh, consumers, uh, they are saying, hey, you know what? Pick this up because it's going to be selling like hotcakes and it's going to disappear quite literally forever. And I That's... hate that because especially in the case of Mario All-Stars, many people are like, hey, I just want to play these games in HD and I don't have the best computer to play them in, say, 1080p, 60 frames per second. Okay, look. <laughs> Who wants to play a Mario game? <laughs> and then, like, like, what does it matter most to me personally? Um, I don't, I, I never really seen the part of like, oh yeah, sixty frames per second, 1080p, only way to experience, Bing Bing Yahoo. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But like, well, but that's a that's a that's you know that's a personal thing. You know, I never really had like, right. the greatest rig in the world, so maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I am just a peasant. I, I do not understand the uh, the glorious master race ways of. The glorious 4K 1080p, you can literally feel the pixels in your brain kind of stuff, you know? True. I don't put a lot of stock in graphics and stuff either, but the fact of the matter is uh, there, there is a game with technically higher quality out there. And not only is it going to be pulled from official shelves, Nintendo themselves are also notorious for taking down any sort of fan projects that will attempt to do the same thing. Yes. In fact, there's actually been a few cases where uh, these fan games, uh, even when a, a equivalent hasn't been on the market yet that Nintendo has actually put out, uh, that, you know, somewhat correlates with what their fan game is doing, uh, Nintendo will still take it down. And, and here's here's the questionable thing. Somebody made a uh, a... Battle Royale themed uh, Mario game. How it actually works, I have no fucking clue, but here's the weird thing. Uh, Nintendo, they, they take it down, and then I think it was a year or two later? They released their own. Uh, yes. And as far as I'm aware, they didn't like contact the original guy or anything. It's literally they, hey, you're using our property, stop that, and then a year later, and now check out our thing. They work fast. Yes. Uh, the, the the other uh, thing was that there was a a, um, a fan-made remake of uh, Metroid 2, if I'm not mistaken. And yes, uh, what do you know? Uh, not just another was taken Metroid down. 2 remake. Yeah. That was taken down. And on the 3DS, what do you know? <laughs> they have a we Metroid 2 own. remake. I'm sorry, but I just think you guys are just a bit ignorant. Honestly, I just oh, don't yeah. think yeah. you understand. You see, what we have here is capitalism. What apparently they have over there is super capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> they are on the next level. We have yet to that, learn their That ways. property is theirs in every way, shape, or form. If you try to copy it, they will crush you, as in their rights in super capitalism. And then it will take your idea and may, say they made <laughs> That is super capitalism. And I am, I am with them all the way property rights baby they own your intellectual property Ooh. 
if you Baby, mention Mario, hot. if you even mention Mario, or even say Bing Bing Yahoo, they will tax you. Well, now oh, yeah. you're in trouble, Sam, because you have just said both of those things. I tell you, I for one welcome our new Japanese commun- <laughs> capitalist overlords. Oh. Oh, Funny you uh, mention that. We'll get into that later. There is uh, one thing regarding, uh, you know, Nintendo taking down uh, fan games that I'll bring up in a second. But before that, uh, there was a point made earlier on about being able to play older games in higher resolutions and in better frame rates and and all that jazz. Um, and actually, I, I can understand where people come from where they are completely fine in the case of Mario, or, if I may have a, a point of comparison, a personal favorite that I have always wanted to play in 1080p, uh, Soul Calibur 3. You know, some people, they're completely fine with uh, playing these games on the hardware that it was released on. The problem is, is that with a lot of other people, though, is that because of the the improvements in what is capable in gaming consoles, uh, going back to them, it's like, I mean, I, I still enjoy, you know, playing this, but I don't know, it's just like 480i especially, you know, interlaced. <laughs> Who in the hell uses interlaced nowadays? It just looks so blurry, and it's just like, I, I still enjoy the game, but... I just wish I would be able to you uh, play this in a resolution and in a way that is not even like equal to what games are capable of nowadays, but just with more clarity so that it's just as great as I remember it playing it on a CRT back in the day, mm-hmm. you know? And so naturally, uh, people who are into emulation, they can do just that. Uh, the only problem, though, is that especially in case of the PS2, uh, I can't. Uh, I don't have a good enough PC for that. And even then, it is very inconsistent in terms of how um, accurate it is to playing those. So, naturally, I, I lean towards being able to play uh, official re-releases where these games are in those resolutions. The only problem, though, is that sometimes those re-releases are botched. Uh, sometimes it's because, like, something within the, the, the physics engine isn't the same, there's, like, a glitch or two that wasn't present in the original, and it hampers the experience, because it's just like, okay, changes were clearly made, or unintentionally made, and, you know, we kind of ask better, because we're sometimes paying nearly 50 to 60 bucks for these. Yes, and I the love same goes for reloaded. Mario. Yeah, Fair so mm, it's a it's a conundrum, but and and here's here's a little here's a little thing that I've actually kind of posed to some of you before regarding uh, Nintendo's um, habits yeah. with uh, you know causing games to be taken down and then eventually oh let's just make that game for real. Um, I have a means potentially. For how we can meta the shit out of this system, Ian, are you sure so you want to reveal it. to the public this? Nintendo oh, oh yes, wind. I do. They need to know. They need to know, and I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what is check this, it. The communist cookbook. <laughs> it's it's pretty close. I'm not gonna lie. He he's got a pretty concoctional scheme here. Okay, so 
check it. Better dead than red. We have a system in place that could potentially motivate Nintendo to make the games that we want. Uh, not just in terms of Mario and the big hitters, but also series that haven't had exposure uh, for a long time, unless you count Smash. Smash Bros. Uh, so like F-Zero, for example. When was the last time F-Zero came out? On the GameCube, probably? And that was like 2004, 2005? It's GX, been a long time. yeah. And that was an arcade port. <laughs> right. Right. Still the N64 game. That game's great. Oh, yeah. And GX. It's it's hard in the story mode, but oh, it's so much fun when you can have like multiple people on there. And naturally, uh, people want a proper sequel. There's been like spiritual successors, but not. Nah, they want the real deal. So here's here's how we do it. So a fan works on their own F-Zero copycat game, or they could literally just call it F-Zero, right? And what happens is they make it, they make a big deal about it. They they spread it all on the internet. Hey, I have put out this F-Zero fan game, and it is right to the core what we have been waiting for. Naturally, Nintendo is going to take it down. But, much like those other projects in the past, they're going to be like, oh, people like this idea... And by idea, we mean our idea, and they There's make the, the game part. that we have been waiting for, and all we have to do is just repeat this cycle, repeat it over and over again. We do it for Earthbound, we do it for Star Fox, we do it for, you know, all these other things that Nintendo hasn't put out because, you know, to them it doesn't make money, but... You know, once we put out there that people clearly like it, they will yeah. most definitely make it. So, essentially what you're saying is, we do all of the work for them, potentially get sued, and then they profit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you no, know, I th- I'm, d- I'm down for this idea, I just don't want to be that martyr. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I don't think Ian is saying we do all the work. We're just convincing other people to so that we can throw it out there but never actually be in the line of fire. Okay. Because here's the thing. Fan games, it's impressive what they can do sometimes. But, you know, there are limitations because they don't have thousands, potentially millions of dollars going into them. But Nintendo can. So, they can make an official product that is almost identical to what they make, but with even more polish. And yes, it would be a huge commitment. I am not denying that. But, you are all sacrifices he is willing to make. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. The sacrificial lamb. Just remember that. And don't Uh, worry, the lawsuits will cover the cost of the official game. Well, now, see, here's Good. the thing. Fan games, as far as I'm aware of, uh, lawsuits have only been a thing if they've persisted in putting them out. So if people comply with it, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll, 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 uh, we'll take it down. Uh, and the, uh, the central idea of the game, the core of it, is uh, you know compelling enough, and Nintendo also knows that people want it out there. Oh, the fans have already won. 
just not the ones that made the game well, attempted to make the game in the first place you uh, know okay. yeah <laughs> It it is funny you bring that up though, especially when you mentioned Mother. Uh, there actually was a fan made Mother Four that was unfortunately struck down, but they found a loophole in the fact that they just re-upload it, change a few art character art, and just give it a different name. And now Nintendo can't do shit. <laughs> hey man, here's my homework. You can copy it. Just don't make it too similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's called Oddity, and that's coming out uh, next year, maybe? I'm looking forward to the fifth one, Mother 5, Attack of the Psychic Milfs. But well, Okay, yeah. we got to build up to that one, though. Uh, yeah, right, right. It's a lot of lore. Uh, nah, but uh, just to kind of wrap all that up, uh, Nintendo. Um, they're resorting to tactics that, honestly only really made sense when the industry was thriving in the 80s and 90s. And for some reason, what? they still choose to go by those. And uh, it's, it's questionable whether or not they're going to change because they're not being impacted. People are still buying their stuff. Look, I'm just saying, man, when it, you know, a couple decades in the future, when we finally reach a cyber uh, cyberpunk dystopia, in which corporations own everything. I, for one, am going to look forward <laughs> to the Disney versus uh, Nintendo fights, personally. Oh, that's going to be a slobber knocker. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, dude. It's going to be, it's going to be something else. The and Mario the f- bots versus the, uh, the Mickey the Mickey Mouses. And then the, the McDonald's crew comes in, and it's just like an army of clown men throwing hamburgers at people. <laughs> oh, dude, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a you great time. You know, it's time. funny you bring I've... up cyberpunk. Oh, no. oh, did I mention I'm the master of transitions? Oh, hell yeah. So, uh, one of the other big uh, topics of discussion that we have is um, a highly uh, anticipated release of a uh, AAA game done by a rather well-respected company uh, up until this point, because obviously now it's a little questionable if that's still the case. Speaking of unfinished um, products. Cyber, yeah, unfinished products uh, look no further than the, at the very least, as far as I'm aware of, the console release of Cyberpunk 2077. I don't think we have seen a dumpster fire as bad as this in a very long time. I, I have not played the game personally, but just from all the footage and stuff that I have seen of it, I, I've resorted to calling it the I can't believe it's not Bethesda. Hey, 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 it looks a lot better than a Bethesda game, <laughs> visual-wise, even with the mess-ups. The, the, the textures many, don't like, look like mud. Breaking glitches, though. And when you, when you pay shit. your workers yeah. and basically potatoes and <laughs> potatoes and vodka, you know, I don't know how good the product's going to be. Look, they were just trying to be accurate to the setting. Right? Like, they wanted a cyberpunk dystopia, so they treated their workers like they already were living in a cyberpunk dystopia. Mm-hmm. It wasn't made on the creation engine, either. Mm. <laughs> Thank God. Thank... <laughs> More used than a village bicycle. Disgusting. And it's funny that, uh, you know, it came out the way it did, because the game was already, like delayed for a long time and i'm starting to wonder was all of that delayed 
like, you know, production time put almost exclusively into the PC version? I mean, what happened? Look, they, they had to contain Keanu. He was trying to escape. Yeah. <laughs> they, they delayed the production time so that they can brainwash Keanu into never leaving the recording booth. So, what I'm guessing from my horrifically misinformed ideas is it probably needed like another year to develop at least mm -hmm. yeah at least but it was already so hyped so built up that they did, literally couldn't keep pushing it back you know people are mm -hmm. saying oh this is gonna be this is gonna be it this is gonna be the game you know what i mean and cd project rex is like oh fuck what do you mean <laughs> please stop no Look, we only got it halfway finished. Please don't tell us. Please don't tell us we have to bring it out next week. Give us another month. You know, it, uh, so it I essentially became the new Watch Dogs, if you remember that game. <laughs> uh, <ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Dogs, maybe. Potentially the new No Man's Sky, depending on how much effort they put in trying to fix it. <laughs> no, No Man's Sky had a redemption arc. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. More like No Man's Buy. Whoa. Well, it's just like, I, I feel like Cyberpunk could potentially have a redemption arc, but it ain't going to be on consoles. I'm going to be real with that, because from what I've been able to see, it has such a captivating atmosphere and an engaging, you know, list of characters and, and story moments. The problem is, is that you have to get through all the buggy, you know, bullshit in order to actually uh, enjoy it. And that's such a shame. Because mm -hmm. there's a core to it to be enjoyed. And hardly anyone, unless they threw thousands of dollars into a PC, a really high-end PC, mm -hmm. they, they aren't going to be able to do that. You know what? I actually recently played a game I can kind of compare Cyberpunk to. It's a game mm -hmm. I don't really know how much you guys know about. It's called uh, Fate to Silence. Yes, I, I've heard of this game. Good. It's, it, it's from THQ Nordic, so, you know... Your expectations might <laughs> might drop depending if you like them or not. Um, mm -hmm. And the thing is, it's 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 a fine enough game, interesting premise. I highly recommend it, you know people to play it, and those who have, I respect you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but oh my god, dude, it needed another year in the oven. <laughs> oh my god, so many glitches, <laughs> so many like little bugs, which sucks because honestly, I was playing it, and despite all of it. There was this constant thought in my head that, given another year, this game could have been fucking amazing. It's good where it was when I played it, but man, under the year, it could have contended with the best of the best, man. And it's just, it's a shame, and I, I feel it's the same way for Cyberpunk 2077, but the difference is Cyberpunk 2077 had the eyes of the world upon it, essentially. Oh, yeah. Like... If it had any fucks, even the smallest fuck-ups would have been awful. But the fact that it was at this level really didn't help. It really didn't right. help. And I, and I and I feel for the developers. I don't feel for anyone who pushed the game. You know what I mean? Like you know, I don't feel I don't feel bad. For, like fuck those guys. We're like, oh yeah, the game's ready. Okay, just just ship it out. They're, they're, it's good, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't feel bad for those assholes. But anyone who worked on it, you know, that's got to suck. Granted, I'm a little bit biased. I didn't buy the damn thing. You know? Yeah. I, I, and there's I, mass I, refunds for it, too. That's yeah. actually a good question. Did any of us buy Cyberpunk? Uh, 
<laughs> I did not. Uh, no, none of us bought it, but don't I worry. We, our opinions. Oh, oh we have a oh. victim here. Well, what are your experiences please. with yes, the game? Yes, please, Scott. Scott. Please inform us. Oh, no. Uh, well, I've only played about 11 and a half hours of it. So um, basically more than hours. all of us combined. Great. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, well, because I bought it on PC because I don't play on my consoles anymore. Um, Do you actually want to play I, the game? Most I actually spend on a console is on my Switch, but I haven't touched that in a bit. Mm -hmm. um, Common theme with it. I, uh, I like the shooting. Good start. All right. Mm -hmm. That's about it. <laughs> I mean, how, do you like the do you like the story um, at all? Uh, I didn't get that far to actually get into it. Um, I only got as far as to like a little bit with Keanu Reeves, and that's as far as I got. Massive open world game. You can make your own decisions. Really prove like who you are in the cyberpunk apocalypse. I like the shooting. Yeah. <laughs> You hey, know, I, start, I was going to ask uh, what your guys' thoughts on Keanu's inclusion was, but I'm, I'm like, thinking, is there really anything to say about it? He's a celebrity. Keanu. That's all yeah. I, I mean, like, uh, it's, the it's, I mean, it's, sweetheart. I mean, the, the thing about it is, like, we can't really say much because only one of us has played it. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and that's, that's where the bias comes in. Like, I don't feel as insulted by it because I haven't. I haven't touched the darn thing, and I was. It's one. I just feel like in more recent years, all the recent disappointments in a lot of games. I can't think of any specific examples at the moment, unfortunately. But there's there's plenty. I I guarantee. It's I I have trained myself a little bit to get ignore the hype, to get over my need to play this game. You know. What well, I, mean? I get that. Oh, yeah. Like, oh man, like oh, I gotta try this game. It's, it looks awesome. You know. So I, I've recently gotten over it. So I've started just waiting, you know, because you got stuff like Cyberpunk mm -hmm. 2077 where it, it sucks now, but later it might be good and it might be a lot cheaper, you know? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I only get my, really my... excited for very certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to kind of round out uh, our, our uh, disappointment discussion and our lack of hope. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you're Cyberpunk. talking about celebrities and, uh, you know, how what what is there to say about some... There are a couple of celebrities that we have a lot to say about, isn't there, Ian? Oh yes. Is yes, that your job, yes. James? Are you the are you the transition guy? I don't know. <laughs> no one has a job. It really. seems like uh, uh, James and Sam tend to be the two that kind of uh, work that the best. Yeah, but before we continue on to the next subject, I apologize. I do have to say about the previous subject about uh, you know games not being released that desperately need to. Um, hey, Capcom, baby, please if any of you are listening, which I doubt you are, but if anyone at Capcom is listening, please, God, I will... The things I will do to get Mega Man Legends 3 would... I cannot put it on the podcast. Uh, I would be a, a, a dirty little schlapa frau for you, please. A anyway, let's, let us continue. If, I just, if I, the I just Snyder Cut is coming out now, we can get Mega Man Legends 3. <laughs> I mean, if we Please. can get a legitimately new Half-Life game, anything's possible. Half-Life doesn't matter. The only the only three that matters is Mega Man Legends. Anyway, <laughs> man, like, so, that's just wrong, but okay. Okay, right, you know what? Right. We'll have this discussion after the podcast. Please. <laughs> right. On to, on to the next topic, now that I ruined the transition. Excellent. Excellent. That's <laughs> what you bring to the team. So it's glad so, that we got this fact. Uh, we are now going to cover some more recent uh, stuff. 
recent stuff within 2020 that I'm not going to lie, at least for me and for a lot of, uh, yeah, uh, it's my, yes, 2021. That's I know, the, the year whole, began a bit ago, it's okay. The whole year has been yeah. a blur, so I still don't think any time is real anymore. Right. Anyway, continue. Uh, right. Uh, we are covering a recent, not just news drop, but it, at least for me and a lot of uh, people who followed these guys and their body of work, uh, a bit of a gut punch. Uh, Daft Punk, the uh, sensational uh, and highly regarded uh, electro house duo that have been... The, ro- the robots from out- France. Yes, who have been putting out music and, and collaborating with many other uh, artists for nearly 30 years, ever since uh, 1993, uh, they have, in fact, split up after all this time. And uh, it is very unfortunate. Robots and it's hard retire. to really say much. Humanity cries. Hmm... Yeah. Um. I. I guess I'll start off with this topic again. It. It's. I'm kind of disappointed myself in a sense because I. I really. I. I've listened to Daft Punk before. They. They weren't really a consistent in my music choice to be honest with you. But you know when they were on, I listened to them and I liked what they had. Unfortunately, a lot of my discovery, <laughs> pun intended, uh... of them is, is <laughs> unfortunately post mortem. It's past the point of their breakup in which I really started looking to the music. I'm like, damn, this. This is. <laughs> the more I look into it, the better and better it gets. And it's a real shame these guys broke up. I mean, something I really like about them, and we'll discuss this when we talk about uh, Interstellar 555, yeah. is they, there was just this, I don't know, creativity to them, this uniqueness to their style that I really, really liked. They had a signature look. They had a signature... I, mean, I can't say they have a signature sound per se, but it, it's kind of hard to describe because... It, there's some versatility in their music from album to album that I really like, but they still have this this weird consistency I can't describe. Like, you know when it's Daft Punk. Like, when something comes on, oh, it's, yeah. you're not going to get confused if it's Daft Punk or not. And that's uh, that's something I really like about. They had a style to the music, which I think was very unique to their situation. And, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, just, they were just good, and I, I, now I just want to listen to more of them. Yeah, and frankly, that versatility uh really think about it that's also what surprised me so much about them because the one thing that uh you can hear pretty much across the board uh obviously it it ranges because what they do is that um with each album it almost seems like they have a different musical theme to it like for example their original uh album uh homework that was straight uh electro house with little inklings of uh instrumental uh things thrown on in there uh little bits of like guitar keyboard piano stuff like that and then you get to discovery uh their 2001 album which uh for all intents and purposes for a lot of people is seen as their uh right and it alternates between uh discovery and random access memories which i only recently realized uh when abbreviated is put to um ram that's true uh, that is what that's abbreviated to <laughs> um each each uh e- each album it's a little different discovery actually gets very disco inspired 
in a lot of cases. Uh, Human After All gets a little more rock, and then you get to random access memories, and uh, it's mainly like a uh, funk, almost like jazzy kind of uh, motif that they're going for. And, uh, you know, talking on their versatility, it, it all just works. And it doesn't feel like it... it uh, slips into either one of those uh, sides in terms of instrumental and techno uh, too much. It's like a nice balance. And for people who normally don't listen to electronic-oriented music because, oh, well, you know, it's not, you know, uh, organic. It's all artificial. Um, I feel like there's something to enjoy about their music because uh, they incorporate just enough instrumental stuff, either through samples or their own uh, studio-recorded uh, stuff that uh, they can kind of get behind and all that. Um, which, kind of talking on the whole sample uh, thing, uh, one of their key things in their music is um they 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 use this term for it uh i'm i don't know where it originates from it sounds very french which is kind of you know in line with you know their roots because you know they're french but uh the term that they uh kind of uh went by was uh bricolage and bricolage is this uh term for when uh you take already existing objects or materials or sometimes ideas and you use them in a way that creates a whole new unique um, product and that is kind of the center of their process in terms of making music mm -hmm. that and also being perfectionists that's the other <laughs> that's the other key step in their process uh they are not the most consistent in terms of when they actually put their work out uh the weight between human after all and random access memories was immense uh, human after all if i'm not mistaken came out in 2005 random access memories didn't come out until 2013 really I'll, and a lot uh, of that is be i'll admit actually i don't have a lot of prior knowledge of daft punk beyond just like what they look like and admittedly mm -hmm. when we were told to watch the anime i recognized more songs than i thought i did from them but in terms of like what's going on behind the scenes i i'm not super familiar with them mm -hmm. uh, i don't know about you scott uh it, it seems like sam and ian at least are pretty big fans uh, I never, I haven't heard about them outside of like one song. <laughs> and the only song that I've really listened to is "Around the World." Yeah, I mean, I mean that's I think that's what I think that was the first song I ever heard from them was "Around the World," and it's it's kind of weird because usually when you get like very repetitive songs like that, I mean that's the kind of their thing for the most part. A lot of the songs are very repetitive. Oh yeah, like, that was. But those are some of those are some of my favorite songs from them, like. uh Make love is a good one. Um, I mean, everything on Discovery is perfect. <laughs> it's like yeah. better, faster, Discovery stronger. is easily my favorite. Uh, my favorite album. Uh, better, faster, stronger was the first one I heard. Uh, that was pretty but, good. I, th I think they played yeah. that on Toonami or something. That's that's how I got. Oh it. yeah. All by the, uh, the the whole album. Mm -hmm. All by yeah, they can be repetitive. This the thing I think they just 
did really well though was putting the soul in the machine i guess you could say because a lot of electronic music can sound very draw very samey you know and it just becomes like a beat that's repeated essentially it's it's just repetition of white noise but i think what daft punk did really well was like i said put this the soul in the machine where there, there was this, this human warmth to each of the songs as, as silly as that may sound is uh uh, I don't know. It's just that it, it felt like there was more effort into it. Like they 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 put a little bit of themselves in each of those songs, you know. Oh yeah. And yeah, I, I think and I, I, think, I, I couldn't uh, agree more with what you were I, just saying. And I I think the the real shame of this all is they, and it, I hate saying this, but I feel like they went out with more of a whimper than a bang. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I wish they released at least one more thing, like one big thing to end their career. I mean, I guess you could argue that's what they were aiming for with Epilogue, but right, it wasn't like the grand gesture that you probably wanted, though. I'm saying after eight years of release, not releasing anything, I would have, I would have loved for them to release like Discovery Two, you know. But mm. <laughs> in terms of musical careers, I think they have one of the most consistent and solid. A lot of musicians, oh, yeah. they they content, they like have a rise and then they fall harder than a rock. You know, but I feel like for them, they, they got to this high echelon, stuck to it, and then died in it. <laughs> okay, that's a rough way to put it. But, you know, they got there and they stayed and they, they left with grace. I mean, what more could you ask? Mm-hmm. That's, oh, uh, yeah. you know, as much as I, as I would love to for them to end with something big, that was still good and we still have what they left. You know what? Napoleon oh, yeah. may have failed to conquer the world, but these Frenchmen, they captured my heart. Uh, no, that's very well done. That's very well done. Uh, Thank you. Oh, uh, that's too good. Oh, that's too good. I have something to say later on, but but now I, I can't beat that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can just leave the podcast now. That's that, my finishing that's line. Was, that's what I was. That's saying, my yeah. insightful thought as I fade into the obscurity. Anyway, Oof. honestly, I think this is a, a poor transition to now go into Interstellar five five five. Yes. yes. Interstellar fifty five fifty five, or as some people say five 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 five, which is a mouthful, so I say fifty five fifty five. Uh Interstellar fifty five fifty five is mm-hmm. a uh animated musical narrative, I guess is how you would put it, perhaps. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's basically damn near perfect. Yes, it is uh in uh the anime style done by a anime studio, and apparently uh, is deeply rooted in some of their own, um, like, favorite anime that they used to grow up with. You, um, you cannot convince me, Ian, this does not take place within the Macross universe. Those are straight-up centri. <laughs> they're, they're using culture. Like, that's just okay, James, what's James, happening. James, James, calm down. Okay, don't go into the deep lore so soon. We, we just began talking about it. Well, we'll, we'll uh, give little inklings <laughs> of it as we go along. But no, Interstellar 5555 is a anime musical narrative film that was commissioned by Daft Punk to be a, a uh, visual uh, companion piece to uh, Discovery. Because by that point, it was making the rounds, baby. Mm-hmm. It was making the rounds. And um, I want to say they were likely inspired by uh, the animation sort of um, dynamic that perhaps gorillas had. Because if I'm not mistaken, Gorillas when they started, they basically had the whole animation component of their um, body of work from the beginning. That's like the big shtick of their their band, really. Oh yeah, and so 
uh, whether that Love was the their girl, actual. Too, by the way. Yes, but of course. Um, but uh, whether or not the gorillas and their animation dynamic was an actual push for Daft Punk, uh, they did it. And uh, damn, did they do it perfect? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll just begin, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Because I, I, mean, I, I have a lot to say on this one that I'll try to keep mm -hmm. short and brief. I mean, everything I good I was saying about that book up to this point is encapsulated within Interstellar Five Five Five. This this is a triple S for me, baby. This is what I want to see. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's got the three S's. It's got mm -hmm. style, which makes it timeless. Nothing you can't point and say, hey, this movie is like Interstellar Five 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 or Interstellar Five 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 is based off this. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you could say it's influence, sure, but you can't name anything else like Interstellar Five 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 Five. You just can't. It's its own thing. So it's got that style, both in animation and music wise. It's mm -hmm. got the soul. There's effort in here. You could tell these people cared about what they were doing. It looks amazing. It feels amazing. It plays amazing. That it it's, does. You could tell people put their heart and fucking soul into this. And it shows everywhere in it. And the third S is... This is more of a movie thing. Since it is technically a movie. Musical. Right. It's show, don't tell. It is the ultimate example of show, don't tell. Because there's not a single line of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, not a single line of dialogue. And to give a little more context as to what the story is actually about, you have this planet uh, deep into space where there are these blue alien people who really, really like music, hence the uh, comparison to the um, Macross franchise, which is also very much about music and in space. And the movie begins with a concert uh, where the biggest stars of the planet are currently playing, and uh, suddenly they're abducted by these armed forces that are under the command of this greedy businessman who brainwashes these uh, stars into uh, thinking they're human so that he can exploit their talents in music uh, for financial gain and essentially make them this, this uh, new music group that the world suddenly has uh, huge acclaim for. Naturally, these stars uh, suddenly begin to regain their memories thanks to another blue alien that comes in and saves them and uh, try to get back home and escape the uh, evil businessman. As you can see, uh, definitely a story that is uh, on paper simple, but uh, that does not stop it from being one hell of a ride. And a lot of that comes from, uh, much like Sam said, uh, being very, very strong in the department of show, don't tell. It's actually funny you bring that up specifically. Uh, there's a few points when I was watching it, I had to, uh, like someone was coming into the room or something, and instead of pausing it, I accidentally muted it. And just even without the music playing, the visuals stood enough on their own for me to still get like the vibe they're going for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, yeah, I mean, I mean, what else can I say, man? It's... You could literally, like, you don't need music. If it was a silent movie, you would, under, for the most part, understand everything what's going on. And yeah. It's just a visual treat, a visual and auditory treat, which is just a really good mixture. 
and like it takes oh, yeah. it, it like it takes its premise well like it prevents everything well but it doesn't take itself like a hundred percent seriously either like there's a lot of wacky <laughs> no. stuff with like the facial uh, animations and hell the the award ceremony where daft punk themselves is there i wasn't expecting <laughs> that i love that's one of my favorite parts of the movie honestly and like self-awareness they they like they're, they're up for the, the, the their own fiction and they lose to this fictional band <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and they're was, happy about it. That was so only, really I'm, charming. I'm only gonna gush about it for a little bit more because we are on a time schedule here. Uh, something else I really liked about the movie is this: this is like hopeful nature towards it. Mm-hmm. It's something we just don't see a lot in movies today. It's just mm-hmm. this, I love how cosmopolitan it is, and I think a, a lot, large part of that is from the fact that these people were born in Europe. Which is just like a, a ma- hodgepodge of different countries, way too close to each other. Yeah. But I, I just, I love it, man. I, I just love how it's, it, it's such a different time, and that's part of the style portion of it that makes it timeless. It's, it's, it's its own. Um, crap. What I was gonna say, it's its own self-contained little story. I just love how in the end everyone comes together. You know, all races, all peoples all these aliens I, I just love those kind of stories you know it's like it's, fun. It, oh yeah it, they just push past this whole uh, like oh it's just nowadays it's all about race and sex and shit and this this little movie's like hey man we'll just we all music binds us all together man it doesn't matter about race or sex or if you're alien or from another planet we all like a good a good little jig and i just you know what i just love that i love that shit i like that that gets me up man <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So that that's that's all I'm going to say. I feel like I've taken most of the most of the talk time here, so I'm going to let you guys say your little piece. But that's honestly, it's perfect. I I want everyone to watch this movie, <laughs> musical. It's a just a treat. Well, it's nice to know you like it so much. I'm happy that I, uh, you know, exposed you to it. But um, yeah, honestly, kind of going off of what you were saying, I I think especially nowadays, perhaps we could use a. Uh, Interstellar sixty six sixty six, because ooh, I, I almost we could definitely like use something be, like that. I feel like it wouldn't be able to be copied. Yeah, I don't anyway, know. Yeah, so, like oh. I said, I'll shut up now. I apologize. I I do agree with Sam though. Like it's because uh, for one thing, right the the entire soundtrack I assume is being used for this, right? Like that's mm-hmm. just the single soundtrack. You you need to find an album of similar. That's what I meant to say, album, not soundtrack. Uh, it's a similar album that can convey another like tone like this and still you know, get the message across, in a sense. Yeah. And it, it's a little harder to do, especially now when albums themselves aren't as common. A lot of people put out more singles, yeah. I feel. They could potentially uh, use random access memories as a basis, but I, I don't know if because uh, i admittedly uh have only listened to uh a portion of random access memories uh consistently and uh in regards to that particular album as you can probably guess uh one of the songs was uh get lucky because oh that exploded when it came oh that out. was huge oh, my god when, they pl- when you pl- when the russians pl- do a choir at the olympics you know you do- you made it <laughs> oh yeah we've come so far to divulge who we are yes Mm -hmm. um but i don't know there there's some equally uh 
you know, substancey sort of tracks in there. Touch was actually the track that they used in Epilogue. Uh, they they kind of spliced it a little bit. They used like the ending choir piece, and I believe they um, kind of silenced all the instrumentals and just had the choir in the f- yeah. very final few seconds, which ooh, that got me. Um, but I don't know. It it could potentially you know be, a, be the investment and just the fact that they did it. It doesn't even to me have to top interstellar 5555 if they do it i'm just happy that they gave it a shot because it's just one of those things that you know for a lot of people they could use nowadays scott you've been rather quiet yeah a little bit sorry i like the story that they were telling throughout the the whole uh film anime film how uh, the the guy basically abducts aliens and turns them to like Earth pop stars and like turns them into gold records. Yeah, that. Yeah, and it's a, that's something else I would like to touch on real quick. And I apologize for uh, interrupting James, but I, like I said, I got so much to say. So I'm no, sure. no, you're you're. I mean, you're the new one here. So please take all the time you need. <laughs> Perfect, <laughs> fools. <laughs> Um, is I actually really like that story beat quite a bit because it's probably something they experienced themselves as musician. Are are these like I don't want to say evil, but these very greedy producers and whatnot that would basically suck them of their create, kind of take what they got, suck them up for all their milk them for all their worth, and then throw them away, just like the evil man was doing in that film. Oh yeah, and and frankly, Sam, you you nailed it on the dot because there was a interview. I forget if it was roughly around when Discovery came out or when this movie came out, or if it was just later on. But they were uh, highly critical of studios that treat you know music artists as uh, products, property. and they were like, no, they are not products. They are not properties. They are people who have their own art that they want to experience to a lot of people. And that's actually one of the biggest reasons that they put on the robot persona so that uh, the fame comes from, you know, what they stand for. The the, the icon, the soul within a machine. Uh, And, you know, they didn't want to be famous for who they are. They want to be famous for for what they are a extension of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the inverse of that, I feel the... uh... Like, especially the scene where, like, they're literally being brainwashed and, like, thrown paint on and all that. It, it's one of the more striking scenes of the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Probably oh, yeah. one of the best songs. <laughs> Perfect. Was that also, a Better Faster? Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, no one knows their true identity, yeah? Not oh, yeah. initially, uh, I don't believe. Oh, okay. Well, no, I mean... No, like, Daft Punk the band. Oh, they they oh. know their names. They know their names. Uh, they know Not faces, though, right? They've been able to get their faces, but frankly, here's the thing: even the fact that they have their faces, they don't know them. You know what I yeah. mean? And I yeah. fucking love that. God, that is that is that is so fucking cool. How ballsy is that? How fucking big dick swinging is that? God, that's cool. Like, even with their faces out there, if you showed it to someone, like, wh- what would they What would they know? 
What would that they know? That just goes full. That goes right back into Interstellar, baby, where it didn't even matter what they looked like. They were blue people, but the Earth was like, you know what? These people rock. And you know what? God, does life imitate art or art imitate life? I don't know. But man, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, we should really move on to the next topic because I could talk about this for hours. Right, right. Um, well, before we do, I just uh, figured uh, just to round out one last thing about Interstellar 5555 is that uh, before, if, you know, we get it, uh, before it comes out, before the sequel comes out, because I would very much appreciate one, just for it to exist, mm -hmm. frankly, um, I want a proper HD release of this because uh, here's a little something that people probably don't know. Uh, even though this is a pretty popular uh, movie, especially for people who are fans of Daft Punk, um, it has been out of print for God knows how long, and even the official releases are not consistently good quality. Uh, the only thing that exists are uh, DVDs, and apparently... Uh, depending on where you get the DVD, it might be done by a different, like, I don't know, publisher? And the footage is either progressive, meaning, you know, normal by our standards, or interlaced. And interlaced, much like I was talking about with the gaming stuff, it makes the image, like, super blurry and, like, the edges, like, kind of, uh, glittery almost. And, uh, thankfully, uh, people have been able to, uh, make, uh, their own proper hd versions with what they have it could be better but the only way it can be better is if people get their heads out of their asses go back to the original source footage and do a proper blu-ray release i would buy the shit out of that i've looked again super capitalist here <laughs> with the hype of the the you know the breakup and whatnot there's very much a possibility they could re-release it yeah. Anyway, yeah. Don't, don't get my hopes up. Right, right. Uh, I do there not wish is... to be crushed again. Right. There is a uh, a, a fan-made uh, 2K resolution upscale that actually has mm. uh, uh, basically lossless audio on it. Uh, obviously, the means to get it is a little uh, questionable. And, you know, being the ethical man I am, I'm not going to... You know, shout out where I got it from <coughs> archive.org. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's there. Mm hmm. And uh, before we move on to uh, our other uh, little uh, feature presentation that we are, of course, going to get to, um, I guess One man's for a lot of the people, entire Japanese government. <laughs> um, I guess for a lot of people who uh because they there are people who have this stance who perhaps don't quite understand what the big deal is with their breakup or just go like ah i don't get it they they, they don't seem that great i I, mm, I don't get why so many people are like basically like heartbroken oh yeah people are losing up. their shit over this oh yeah and i mean epilogue is a punch in the gut but it's also a a bittersweet one because even though we don't know the answers as to why they split, knowing their process and how they only put out stuff if it's a good idea, they probably just, you know, ran out of them. And they don't know where to go from there. And 
for a lot of people to understand the relationship fans had with them is it's a lot like if you had a really good friend of yours and uh, they they do a lot for you uh, as a friend a lot of good uh, the only problem though is that this friend they are very very infrequent in when they actually slip in and out of your life because they have their own commitments that they gotta go to they're very busy people uh but what's beautiful about that dynamic is that uh when you do meet back up the amount of time uh in between meetups is almost pointless because you pick back up right where you left off to the point where it feels like no time has passed at all but there eventually comes a time where uh your friend uh after a unusually long uh absence longer than usual uh he he does come back but uh his his reemergence kind of comes with a bit of a gut punch when he tells you that um he has to leave very shortly afterwards uh and he does not plan on coming back and the path that uh he has to take is not one that you can follow him on uh he has to go alone on it and admittedly it is sad that someone who brought a lot of uh you know warmth and stuff like that has to go but i think uh when I was talking to Sam about this, he he put it best. And uh, Sammy boy, how 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 was it that you put it again? Uh, do not cry because it's gone, but smile because it happened. Like thank, thank God we live in a world where something like that could happen. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I wish for it to happen again. It's it's and you know what? I maybe if we're incredibly lucky, they'll rise from the grave for one more thing. If we're lucky, I mean it's not likely, but you never know. Human after all, baby. Anyway. Oh, yeah. We we really should get on to the next thing before someone starts crying. Because if I start yeah. crying, someone starts, <laughs> you know how it is. Right. All right. Anyway. Well, hey. Feature presentation. Here we go. Uh, this movie, of course, was recommended by our good boy, Scott. And uh, mm. without further ado, uh, Scott, can you give us a brief overview of uh, the film of choice? And perhaps also why you've chosen it. My, so the film that I chose was Ip Man from 2008, starring Donnie Yen, the madman. The mad lad the himself. The mad lad. <laughs> um, I chose it because it was on my list for a while, and I like martial arts films, even though I haven't seen most. I like Kung Fu Hustle, and I like whatever... Mm, that's another uh, About one. similar in I the like realm of good, realism. Uh, I like a good movie where people punch each other, you know? Right I can on. respect uh, that. And fun time. I can respect uh, that. And, uh, yeah, so it's basically about the <coughs> the guy who trained Bruce Lee. Um, kind of. In Kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, he later does in his life. Yeah, as in, like, it, it kind of represents... It. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm giving you sneak previews of my thoughts on the um, movie it's, already. It's basically about, like, from what I could tell, how he grew, like, trained in when Japan occupied uh, China in World War II. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, 
I really liked the film. And obviously, really we, uh, we 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 kind of uh, alluded to some of the uh, more questionable things that this movie kind of incorporates, but uh, we'll we'll save that after we kind of go over just the core of the movie, which is the the filmmaking, choreography, and and just overall quality of all those things uh, prior to going into that. So <laughs> I don't know. I, starting I off with very... that. I thought it was very, very realistic up until the moment he marched his way to Japan and struck Hiroshima and Nagasaki so hard it exploded. But, you, you know, know like, up until that point, I thought it was pretty spot on until he took on the entire Japanese military single-handed and then, you know, said that, oh, yeah, the Americans did it. Very humble. Very humble. I don't know if that was real, though. It, it's <laughs> a very controversial happened. scene, to be fair. Very yeah. controversial. I mean, Very action-packed, though. Oh, my god. When he yes. ripped out the heart of the... <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoa! Did you see the director's cut or something? Uh, I saw the uh, real version. But anyway, anyway, uh, I'm sorry. I did. Uh, yes, the movie. Where would we like to start? Well, I would like to first just, you know, give my general thoughts on it. Uh, in regards to this movie, uh, I think it was uh, overall... Pretty solid, I would say. Uh, right I, I, I yeah. think um, it, it's it's a easy to get into movie. It's not trying too much, but at the same time, there's still effort put into uh, like character threads throughout the film, and particularly you know Ip Man himself. I I think with a few minor things, uh, potentially more than minor things, I have with how they actually portray him. Uh, Ip Man is a pretty solid protagonist, and uh, Donnie Yen does a fantastic job portraying him. I think it's very clear this movie has something to say. Now, whether or not that's what it has to say is good, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the choreography, top-notch. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, nothing got to levels, uh, maybe little inklings of it here and there. But overall, it does not fall into, like, uh, Star Wars prequely kind of choreography where it turns into a dance. It feels like a very coordinated uh, sequence of martial arts, you know, fisticuffs. Which, naturally, uh, it should be doing uh, if it's all about martial arts being the core of not just the story, but just, you know, what drives the overall uh, plot forward. It is the center, uh, center focus, really, what, you know, causes things to escalate, uh, as well as the answer to, you know, the conclusion and all that. And what I liked the most is that the the philosophy or rather the challenge of philosophies behind martial arts was probably the most intriguing part of the movie for me and uh how especially with um the uh, uh the japanese general uh general mira uh and how admittedly i'll i'll, I'll definitely say that his his motivations are a little simplistic but at the same time it, it comes from his own philosophy of what martial arts are about. He's all about the ferocity and just brutality that martial arts can inflict on people. Whereas 
um, Ip Man, uh, very representative of, you know, what Ip Man was about in real life. Um, he, uh, he, he, he sees it more as a means of defense, never attack, almost like the same fashion that the Jedi kind of, uh, think of, you know, using the force and stuff like that. And there were specific you lines had that to bring came... it up. <laughs> there were specific lines that I felt, uh, particularly from Ip Man, uh, kind of, um, you know, boil that down. Like, for example, um, he, he gets challenged a lot by, uh, the townspeople, uh, constantly because, well, he's the master and they're like, ah, I'm going to prove that I'm pretty good. Or even just to get a, a, a little, uh, refresher on the tent poles of, uh, martial arts. Uh, and this guy is like, oh yeah, you know, uh, theoretically, you know, this is all about this, that, and, and, and doing all these things. And Ip Man is not about, you know, complicating the process of martial arts. And what is representative of that is when he says things like, stop reciting, you know, theory and just hit me. It's not about style. It's about you. And I love that helps too wing chung is such a defensive style i mean he he never hits first to my knowledge no nope. he always lets them come to him most of the moves are about like slapping the opponent's arms away or catching their feet or something and then just oh, like yeah. one solid counterattack or flurry of them because my goodness his hands turn into machine guns at oh you can feel the impact the of those rapid jabs definitely Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rapid Impact, I mean, one of the other things I really liked, and I was surprised by, was uh, the the sound design, in particular with the fights. It never felt too, I guess, uh, over-exaggerated. It felt just right and very, very snappy and punchy. And I know that's that's a very simplistic way of describing it, but there's, like, crunch and texture to like the impacts that these you know characters are inflicting on each other and uh what i liked is that especially when like uh general mira is um uh fighting uh his sound design for when he punches people it is so much deeper and just heavier and louder and just the dynamic uh impact of it uh, there is a huge difference, and I like that kind of stuff when people, uh, they don't stop the story at just the script or the visuals. It makes its way into the sound as well. I like it when people do that. Especially General Mira's punches. <laughs> in terms of my general thoughts about the movie i actually have watched it man uh maybe like four or five years ago and i watched all of them like in a row because i thought it was dope and coming back to it i thought coming back to it you know a couple days ago or just a little mm -hmm. while ago really when i rewatched it again uh, i was nervous that my my general cynicism or you know just looking back at it it wouldn't be as good as i remembered it but you know what? It was rewatching it. I really liked it. There was, there was a lot more to it than I thought there would be, with, especially with the second viewing. And the thing I was worried about coming into it was 
I would see it too much as like a propaganda piece, you know, against, you know, the, the Japanese and what they did during the war, which I will not deny was fucking atrocious. <laughs> like just, just the, just the stuff they admit to was absolutely horrific. But mm -hmm. what surprised me was I feel like this movie doesn't like, yeah, that's, that's definitely a part of what's going on. But the movie oh, itself yeah. was, which about something much different. It, it was like Ian was saying, it was more about this like martial arts mentality. And mm -hmm. I, what I think was what really represents this is Ip Man throughout the story. He has his, his pride that keeps, that keeps coming up again and again, you know? And it, what I liked about it, I was worried he'd be too much like a Mary Sue, too good in everything, because, you know, the movie's about him. But I think mm -hmm. they really play, go with this idea that, yeah, he's a great martial artist, but that means he has less time with his family. And they really push that quite a bit. Yeah. And I thought it was, it, was, it was very nice to see. Excuse me. I, Sorry. Let's see. Um, I didn't really like how little he got hurt. I was going to bring that up. He's borderline invincible mm -hmm. in the fights. I think he gets hit like three times in the entire and film. And that's basically by the final boss. Yeah. Yeah. Jin had um, some really like cool flips and stuff, but he, he was blocking them all over the place. Something I didn't like when I was rewatching it was the color palette of the movie. Holy crap. Yeah. Gray. Gray everywhere. Gray, brown depressing it's very but, muted yeah there but, were a couple bits of cyan and jade no something that i realized though as i continued to watch it was i think that was kind of the point oh yeah because there was some color in the beginning before the japanese got there it's like little bits of like flowers and tapestry you see and that's a little bit of the colors and it's it, it, you know it, it helps but when the japanese come i swear to god i thought the movie went black and white when I was really looking at it, oh yeah, it 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 just looked like a, an old, well, I guess an old martial arts movie. Once you think about it like that, but uh, something oh, yeah. I really noticed during the final fight specifically, I it like if you really pay attention, you can almost see the color like come back, not like not only into the people, but just like the surrounding area, you know, like the the blood that's being sprayed during the fight is so colorful in contrast, and it's it was a really nice little detail. I thought it was very cool when I rewatched it. I think they did that uh, as a reason to like show like how lifelike the the city was before the Japanese uh, took mm -hmm. over, and then and how lifeless it became once the Japanese like started putting all these restrictions on like food and like basically everyone was like in near poverty, had to work like in basically coal mines, and like once like Ip Man won at the end, the color started coming back because like the Japanese I wanna say hold on the city was loosening. Yeah. And it Ip Man was this force for good, even though I don't think that happened at all really. Well it's cool too, because mm -hmm. there's kind of a, a book ending of uh I guess you'd call it like B roll, where it's mm -hmm. just showing, you know, the forces marching in and like it zooms in on that one dead like Chinese man. And it shows that mm -hmm. after he wins too, it's kind of like a, you know, like yeah, we, they 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 show it when they're coming in, and it shows them like pulling out, and instead of focusing on the atrocities, it's focusing specifically on the people. Yeah, yeah. It, like it man represents this general, like defiance of the the Japanese will over them. Like no matter what you do to us, we will stand true to what we are and our methods of life essentially and, mm -hmm. I, and i think that's kind of 
I guess it is kind of propaganda because I don't think he. I don't know too much of history, but from what I've researched on Wikipedia, the most trustful website, the Wikipedia, the free Wikipedia, um, is I think they really use them as this sign of Chinese nationality or identity that was tested by these foreign aggressors, essentially. And mm-hmm. it is a very propagandistic sense. And I think it shows a lot later in the other seat in the in the many sequels to it, man holy shit okay i remember the second one is very blatant with that oh and my one god yeah one prequel good lord i don't think i've seen the prequel but yeah they really push it in the later movies to the point where it's kind of takes away from the movie honestly but in this yeah. first one i think they balanced it very well and i did i did really like the action i'm not generally a huge fan of like those kind of martial arts movies uh, sometimes i do feel like it's more of a dance than an actual fight but sometimes i like that you know it's sometimes it's, it's oh, very yeah. nice to see and look at as Overall, far as i could see uh there are only three shots where i could see any kind of like wire work they kept it pretty grounded for the most part yeah in comparison to a lot of other shite but mm-hmm. yeah i, I kind of liked the focus on the martial arts thing and that, that really showed through with uh, captain mira or Mira, I can't remember his name specifically. Uh, Mira. But like he, even he was like, no, like I'm not here to. He he really wasn't. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's he was more focused on the martial arts aspect, and I feel like he was more human than the uh, yeah other officers. But honestly, from what I hear, what the Japanese did. <sighs> I mean, even anyway, in that, some of his subordinates literally shot them like dogs the second that they actually had an upper hand. Like, it, it yeah, still shows the mentality. Uh-huh. And I, I, I think, uh, I think, um, it, it's not as bad in this movie as the following movies, because it, it's damn near distracting later on, but the sentiments of or rather the anti-sentiments towards whoever the antagonist is, very much so is heavy-handed. General Mira, yes, he is the more human of the antagonistic figures. The problem is, is that his motivations are, are, are like, very simplistic, and just how they execute the ideas behind it, it almost portrays him as if he's some kind of, like, uh, comic book villain where it's just like, I am going to prove that Japanese martial arts is superior to Chinese martial arts. And that's yeah. how it's going to be. Not so subtly implying that, like, Japan over China, just in general. Yeah. And uh, let, let's, um, I want to cover one particular thing. The, the filmmakers made it clear from the beginning that these films were never intended to be one for one, um, you know, what happened in his life. But what I find interesting, though, is that Ip Man himself, like the real person, he is kind of a mystery. There isn't a whole lot on record stuff that, you know confirms or denies what he did throughout his life aside from the fact that um he was a a very gifted martial artist and a teacher who taught as you guess martial arts and he eventually was the tutor for uh bruce lee but aside from that you know 
not many people can find much. And so what I do find interesting is that they are trying to have some kind of um, almost legend sort of tale to him. The only problem, though, is that obviously I, I, I don't have any issues with taking something in reality and having some kind of fictional journey with them. It's just how tasteful the fictional liberties are when you actually execute that. And in certain ways, uh, I'm not a huge fan of that because to, to just enlighten a lot of people, not only here, but also listening where things in reality stop in comparison to the movie, Ip Man in real life was approached by Japanese forces and asked, Hey, can you teach our Japanese soldiers uh, Wing Chun? And Ip Man said, No. And uh, that's, that's kind of where it stops until, uh, you know, Bruce Lee shows up in terms of on record stuff. Apparently, he was also a policeman, too, in his uh, Yeah, in his possibly town. seeker policeman. Yeah. That's, uh, I feel, leaning more, too, into the propaganda aspect of things, because you, you have to remember, while yeah. watching this movie, this is a real person that actually existed, and the yeah. fact that the film is turning him into, essentially, a folk hero, you know? Yeah. It, you, you gotta be careful with that. Yeah, because it makes you wonder, are are they almost in a way trying to use and portray Ip Man as this, you know, unrelenting hero that brings justice for China as a means of propaganda? And to me, I I, I don't know how to feel about that. It, it's kind of mm -hmm. like... Uh... What do we have? That's a good... Uh, like, like, Team America, but not ironic. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> not self-aware. Yeah. Where it's like <laughs> we're, we're completely uh, over-grandulizing everything. And I think we should make this point now, because if we don't, it's probably slightly disingenuous. American media has just as much propaganda in it in certain aspects. Oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes worse <laughs> like the the film that we had discussed for a test recording uh transformers for example very pro-military <laughs> yeah <laughs> much like the rest of michael bay's uh filmography he kind of works that in somehow yeah mm -hmm. didn't he direct that 13 hours movie that came out a few years ago i believe he did Okay. All righty. Overall, decent movie, but still, we are generally worried about like the the propagandic nature of it. Oh yeah, and I mean, here here's the thing. Out of curiosity, and because I had the time to do it, I I did watch the second Ip Man film, and I'm not gonna lie. Uh, my recommendation for people is just watch the first movie and only watch the other ones if you just want to see more. You know, uh, if you want to see it progressively get worse. I mean, the yeah, choreography seems more to be action because but... yeah. The only problem though is that for me in the second one, there was so much of it, and the motivation behind why it's happening is so you know paper thin that 
it made me bored of these action scenes and i shouldn't be thinking that and and, and the other thing is that you know i think the first movie is solid for a lot of its different choices and all that in terms of filmmaking and also you know little minute story related stuff but frankly mm. all the things that i really liked they actually are nowhere to be found in the second one for one thing uh i agree with the uh the the color grading mm -hmm. uh in in this movie i i liked the shift problem is though is that the second movie mm. oh my god it's color graded like goddamn Transformers. Everyone looks like a carrot, and like anything that is remotely dark in the image is a like overly saturated teal. It baffles me. It does not look good. And then, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the like anti, you know, foreign sentiments in in the first movie. Yeah, it it's there, and to some it might bother them, but frankly. It, it, it doesn't ruin the whole movie. It's unavoidable in the second one. Don't, don't they actually to the use point the term where white I, I was actually getting a little annoyed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, they, I don't they remember that. They refer to the, the Englishmen as white devils because they were, uh, you know, resorting to sneaky tactics. Uh, that movie portrays just about every Caucasian uh, character in that as conniving, uh, deceptive, and uh, constantly having bitter hatred boil in their chest. There, there's a bit of that in the I'm, first one, too, though, with, uh, like, Jin. Everyone calls them, like, out-of-towners. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say that situation is a little bit different when they're in a literal invading force. Well, they weren't yeah. at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, they just wanted to make a school in uh, the, the city that they were in. But, like, it was less that they were beating up the martial arts masters and more that they were just out of town that it seemed like they were focusing on. I mean, those, those, uh -huh. those I don't think they, they meant that, like, a, oh, these guys are foreigners. I, meant, I think it's more of a, oh, hey, these guys are from another town coming to our town, beating up all of our masters kind of thing. I don't think that was like more like, oh, these are guys are foreigners. That might they, be true. They were, still doing, they, they were still doing Chinese martial arts. That might be true, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that sounds a little yeah. bit different. But, I, I mean, yeah, I think we all... I think we all said what we kind of needed to say about this movie. Yeah. Um, so overall, I guess uh, closing thoughts on it. Uh, would you guys recommend, in the very least, the first Ip Man to uh, people to view? I would recommend it. And I would recommend stopping at the first one, personally. Yeah. Unless you want to skip to the third one just so you can see Mike Tyson. Yeah, if you want to see Donnie Yen beat up Mike Tyson. And Bruce Lee. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's something worth watching, but you have to keep a mind of like just what they're portraying and like how they're trying to get certain pieces of information across. Mm hmm. But otherwise, all I got to say is watch Interstellar 5555. It's so good. <laughs> that too. I would also recommend uh, people watch Interstellar 5555 because... Uh, it's also just an hour long. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah, it's basically perfect in every way, including its length. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think this that, has been our uh, insightful moments. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, the only other thing we got to do 
is just uh, for the viewers to uh, watch on their own time in order to uh, tune in for the next episode. Uh, we are going to be moving down the rotation for the recommended movie. And uh, for this week in the rotation, it is none other than the newcomer himself, Sammy oh, Boy. Buttering me up to keep me on. Okay, I see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Infinity. 2015 Australian horror Infinity. film called Infinity. Infinity. I'm not going to say a single word about what it's about because that's part of the charm. Watch it. It's really good. <laughs> it is on Netflix, if I remember correctly. Uh, last time I checked, it was on Netflix, but it's been a hot minute. Okay. That's good. Okay. Can you spell that? Okay. Uh, in, it's basically infinity, but without the itty part. <laughs> okay, I see. Good to know. So it's infinity. Ah, infinity. I-N-F-I-N-Y. Infinity. I may be wrong. It might just end with another I. Yes, it does. It's I-N-F-I-N-I. Infinity. Showing that the Australians can apparently legally do rated R films. <laughs> right on. There we go. Alrighty. Well, another solid episode for the Inciting Moment podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed their time on here, and we will see all of you next time. Uh, bye-bye, everybody. everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.